Welcome to the Reading Blues podcast, the place to find out more about the school and to connect with staff, pupils and parents at a deeper level. Each week we'll be interviewing people within the school community, asking them questions and spending time understanding more about them and more about the school. In this episode, our very first episode, we speak to Mr Peter Van Wendt, former pupil and teacher and now a historian and the school archivist. I'm told there's not much he doesn't know about the school, so we'll be finding out how the school has changed since the 1960s, what's working better, and I even ask him what might not be working so well. So stick around to find out what that might be. But in the meantime, join us as we explore the world of Reading Bluecoat through the eyes of Peter Van Wendt. Peter, thank you for joining us on the Reading Blues podcast. I'm very pleased you're here today because actually you're the first guest on the school's podcast channel. How are you today? Thank you very much. Yes, I'm fine. Raring to go. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Peter, if you don't mind me asking, have you have you ever been on a podcast before? No, I haven't. And do you listen to any podcasts at all? Uh, I can't claim I, I do very often. I know the BBC <laughs> run quite a few of them, but um, this is all new to me, so... Uh, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just do the talking. <laughs> Very well done for being here. It's, it's good to step out of comfort zone from time to time. Uh, now, Peter, naturally, many people in the school know who you are, but some of the people listening to this might not. So can you tell us something about who you are and going all the way back, what your connections are with the school? Well, I was originally a pupil who came in 1960 at the tender age of nearly 13. Uh, and then I spent six years here for my early part of my education. Um, then I took my degree at Cambridge, uh, read history, which I thoroughly enjoyed, mm -hmm. studied for a year uh, to, uh, as a teacher, uh, and worked in various other places. And then um, I, 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 I was told there was a vacancy uh, at my old school mm -hmm. in 1974 by a good friend who was on the staff. And he asked me why I hadn't bothered to apply for it. And I said, <laughs> and I, said I didn't even know there was a vacancy available. So, so he said in, 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 in stern terms, you better put your application in. So I did, not knowing quite what I was expecting. Mm -hmm. um, and in the following September, I suppose we're talking about 1974 now, in mm -hmm. the dark, dark ages, um, I was appointed head of history and uh, uh, deputy head of a small sixth form in those days, mm -hmm. sixth six form tutor, and then the rest all followed, and I think I, I did quite a few different jobs over the years. Um, you might think after 46 years I, I've, I've done nothing at all much, but uh, my job's changed, and that was one of the reasons why I felt interested in staying, I suppose, as long as I have done. And, and each job was rather different from the last, um, and my, one of my favourites was being the careers advisor uh, for higher education and um, placements um, to, to, towards the last um, 11 years of my stay in the school. So tell me what the school was like then back in 1960 when you first arrived. I think you said you were 13 at the time. You're giving away your age now, by the way. <laughs> oh, I don't, don't think that's any secret. <laughs> um, like, like old wine, one should get, get better with age, I hope. <laughs> You've said that before, haven't you? <laughs> I, I think so, yes. Uh, <laughs> well, in 1960, the school actually was celebrating its 300th anniversary of the admission of its first pupils. Uh, a tercentenary year it was in fact Gosh. so everything was geared to that well we were very lucky because had we not been recognised a year earlier and, and I discovered all this after, in more mature years mm -hmm. uh, the, the school would have closed down uh, under the 1944 Education Act so the headmaster Bernard Ng who was a remarkable man uh, it, 
uh, celebrated uh, this, this uh, auspicious event with a big party and celebration and every pupil was given a little medal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still got one. Um, and, and, and the school was then assured that it was going to go on forward. It had much, much anxiety and concern after the, after the Second World War. Mm. Uh, it was nearly bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this was really the dawn of a new era and uh, uh, a great new beginning. And mm. as a humble um, 13-year-old, of course, I wasn't privy to many of the secrets I am now. Uh, but I can uh, guess how relieved the headmaster was at the time uh, and how many sleepless nights he probably had in anticipation. <laughs> so, uh, yes, uh, and my classroom was a, a, a derelict old hut which had been brought from the old school in Bath Road. Mm-hmm. Um, and which uh, periodically froze up in the winter <laughs> and was heated by a very smelly, uh, s- a smelly oil heater. Uh, but uh, I managed to survive that, I think. And um, and then they they celebrated a new building that had been built a few years before. And had that building not been built before, then the school probably wouldn't have met the requirements it had to meet for facilities and amenities, mm-hmm. which were which were pretty strict in those days. Yeah. So so those were early days. Okay, so that was in 1960, and then what year did you leave the school? I left in 66. Okay. Um, I, I, I joined late, it's a story of my life, I joined late. <laughs> um, I, I um, took my exams probably a year later than I should because my father's job was moving around quite a bit, so mm-hmm. uh, I, I was attended a number of different schools, and this was the longest spell I stayed in any school, actually. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so uh, I left in 66 and then went to university. And then tell me what happened after you left Cambridge. Did you leave there and go straight to school or did you do something else first? I, I, I went, um, I did a year's postgrad uh, and, and a little bit of research and then I um, uh, went, went into teaching at a, a school uh, in Berkhamsted, uh, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, and then I came, uh, then I went to a, a, a comprehensive school where I taught for three or four years. And then mm-hmm. I came, came to Reading Bluecoat School, where I've been for 46 years, dare I say it. Gosh, right. So looking back then at those 46 years, you kind of hinted that some of your happy times were, or happiest times, I should say, were when you were doing the careers advisory role. Would you say that's been your favourite era in the time that you've been working at the school or your or, or all of your interactions with the school? Or would uh, there be other times as well? Well, one, one, one or two others, I think. I mean, the, uh, guiding youngsters um, to their, uh, for their future and for their ambitions is always a very satisfying undertaking. Mm. And I, I was, I was given. I had to give a certain amount of guidance on higher education, the dreaded UCAS, and all that sort of stuff. Mm. But before that, I also um, enjoyed very much my role as uh, as the assistant librarian, mm-hmm. um, with a great great friend of mine, uh, and we raised ten thousand pounds for new books in a in a in a big book appeal back mm. in nineteen seventy eight. And, oh, uh, and and that 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 exceeded all expectations because um, in those days things were pretty uh, tight in the financial side of of everything, hmm. uh, and uh, I think we had a sponsored walk and we did various other um, sponsor books and all sorts of things at a fate, 
and uh, we, we knocked up nearly £10,000, which uh, we could have knocked us over the feather. That's a lot of money today, but back in 78, that cl- clearly that's a considerable amount of money. It was, uh, and it was done not, not just by us, it was done by, by pupils who took a very active part in it, uh, the Old Blues Association who supported us, um, and many friends of the school. So we were very lucky to have that, that degree of support. Peter, tell me more about careers advice for students and pupils in school yes. and, and why it is so important for older people to steer uh, students in a certain direction. Well, I, I, I have to think back about this because uh, looking, looking at my record seems a bit narrow, doesn't it? Probably <laughs> with school and university and academics and all the rest of it. But I, I, I was principally concerned with advising students uh, how to go to university, which courses suited them, mm. um, why they particularly wanted to make choices at an age which is quite difficult um you know an awful lot of things are coming at them at 16 17 mm-hmm. and i think um uh, I, I don't claim to be a guide as such but i had to be a good listener and i think that's terribly important at all levels in education so uh, it was pleasing uh, uh, also to uh, i had some help with this obviously because the school was growing Mm-hmm. Uh, with, with putting people on work experience as well at various times so they could get a feel of what a job entailed. It wasn't, wasn't just something they, they imagined. They, they, they could base their assumptions uh, on, on some sort of reality uh, with older people. And I think this idea of working with older people um, at that age is very important because, because you tend to be, or I say you, they tend to be a little bit in a cocoon their own, their own peer groups and so on, which is fine socially, but uh, it raises their their thoughts a bit, I think. So I guess one of the things you're kind of hinting at then is that older people need to sort of expose younger people to different sides of life that they may not naturally come in, come across. I think that's important, and I think um, there's a greater realisation of this, I think, nowadays um, than there used to be because um, education has changed hugely. I mean, I, I look back and uh, it is <laughs> very, very, very different from what it was when, when I was both a pupil and when I started teaching here. So you say that education's changed hugely. Give me some of those examples in which you've seen it change over the years. I, I think there's a lot more emphasis now on learning outside the classroom, which has, mm. its, which has uh, huge advantages. Uh, I think the... Um, the more recent generations had the opportunity of travelling further afield than ever we thought we could. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and, and they have the opportunity also of meeting people in different occupations. And that's something we did initiate in this school in the 70s. It's, mm-hmm. It started a bit before I came, but one of my jobs was to invite different speakers and visitors to the school who could um, give an insight into their work, uh, okay. their thoughts. Mm-hmm. And that sort of thing, you see. We, we call them the sixth form special, once a week. Um, and that was one, one way of opening up the school, I think, to, to outside uh, influences as well. And then in terms of styles of teaching, styles in which students learn, in, in yes. what ways do you see that's changed over the years? I think it's much more collaborative in, in many areas. Um, yes, the, uh, uh, teacher, teachers historically are, are authority figures and... They certainly need to be at times, but I think um, uh, the the lecturing um, um, technique, I think, uh, of old has been adapted to be more collaborative, 
involving more participation by students, more questions and answers, more um, more willingness to challenge assumptions made, uh, especially in my subject, uh, and that's to all to be encouraged, I think. And how have you seen the school itself change over the years? And and being very open and honest, which elements do you see as now operating better than before, or possibly maybe not as good as before? <laughs> No, that's a good one. Um, mm. When I when I joined the staff, um, we were about 350, 360. So the school has had to accommodate um, another 400 people. Um, but This is pupil numbers, you're talking, not staff numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Just to check. Well, the, st the staff, of course, now look so young that I often confuse them with sixth formers, which can be embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure they don't mind. But, but, but getting back to what you were asking me, mm -hmm. um, clearly uh, there's been a huge improvement in amenities, in, in, in facilities, uh, mm -hmm. in the laboratories, uh, in, in the, the basic storage of things, the, the uh, teaching aids, in classrooms, the whiteboard revolution and all that sort of thing. Uh, I mean, I'm thinking on my feet a bit, but but the the te technical side of, of, of teaching has certainly grown apace in the last uh, 20 years, uh, beyond our wildest imaginations. Uh, the old talk and chalk concept has long gone, although occasionally the whiteboard and whiteboard marker uh, technique is sometimes useful. Um, yeah, to, to do things too. So, uh, but in terms of buildings, I mean, um, we were we were a very small uh, school, really, uh, on a forty-five acre site. So, uh, classroom development, uh, new laboratories, science centre, new sixth form centre, uh, uh, dining facilities, uh, were resulting from an appeal we made in two thousand and one, two thousand and two. Uh, all that has transformed many aspects of school life and, and made the place uh, a lot more, well, more, more effective in what it's trying to do. Uh, but, but then, uh, let's be honest, there's a lot more money around in the school than there used to be. I, I hope the bursar's not listening too much <laughs> to this. Uh, but compared with, say, the 1960s, when uh, you know, we were still um, bearing the legacy of a charity school, which is, which is how we started. There is much more investment in the school nowadays, and, and that shows in so many different ways. Oh, you asked me a second part of that question. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, really, if there's anything that's not so good in your, in your opinion. Um, well, this, this is where I show my age, I suppose. Um, communication at a personal level is not as easy as it used to be in some ways. Oh, I know there's uh, iPads and, and, and telephones and all that sort of thing. But, but uh, because of the sheer size of the school, uh, we, do, we can at times, I think, offer, operate sometimes in parallel lines. But that's not, I don't mean that in a rude way. Uh, it, is, it is a fact that uh, we are now a, a much bigger school and um, mm. we therefore have to communicate in different ways. Um, and of course, I'm now, I've been retired from teaching for 13 years, so... Uh, perhaps that's, enough, that's as much as I ought to say so far <laughs> on, on that subject. I guess it's similar in many ways to how uh, a, a small business of three people would communicate in a very different way to a company such as British Airways or someone like that. Oh, yes. And I think uh, we, I mean, as a staff, even in the 70s and 80s, we were quite a close knit body of people. We knew each other very, very, very much. Um, and as the school has grown 
bigger and people are coming in at different times and doing different jobs and more jobs, mm -hmm. uh, uh, it, it, it is difficult always to keep up. Um, but I think that may be me uh, rather than the school, to be honest. I mean, um, I don't uh, now come in every single day dead on nine o'clock, but um, that, that's that's way things change. I think you've earned the right not to have to come in at nine o'clock every day. You're okay. <laughs> I'll bear that in mind. <laughs> Thank you. Peter, what do you think Richard Oldworth, founder of the school, would think of Reading Bluecoat today if he stepped through the gates? Well, uh, a wealthy merchant uh, who was uh, very keen on giving charitable donations when he could, I think he would be staggered at the size of the school mm. for a start. Uh, when when his will was finally um, proven uh, and and the school opened in 1660, there were 20 pupils. Gosh! Uh, and there were other other times when the school struggled, and he would have known that. Uh, I think he would have um, been staggered at the range of opportunities now available to these pupils, who were uh, often the children of um, uh, the traders uh, and people on low incomes. I think he would also be impressed in many ways by the efforts the school and other schools have made in recent years to develop practical skills in things like design technology, uh, IT and much else. Uh, so I think, I think, I think um, it's a bit like asking me what I think about something if I were to come back here in um, 2147 or something. <laughs> uh, I dread to think, but... Um, uh, a mixture of uh, curiosity, uh, surprise, and um, uh, I think joy that the school has survived as well as it has done. Now, Peter, there's a rumour that you have an incredible ability to remember many of the students that have passed through the school. Is this correct? And if so, tell me more about this. Well, because I'd, I used to edit the magazine for over 20 years and, and I used to receive a lot of correspondence from old boys and, 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 can I use the expression, old girls, I just got to know a lot of people and they kept up with me and I've kept up with them. Some, of course, are now much older than they were then mm -hmm. uh, and, and they've gone in different directions. But uh, I do remember names. Um, I, I have to scratch my head every so often, obviously. But uh, uh, I think being interested in what they were doing and, and hearing from them uh, kept up this curiosity. And even now I try to keep abreast of the times a bit and know who's doing what and where they're going. And I find that very interesting. Yeah, it's, it, I think it's very impressive to you know spend time remembering other people, but by doing that, by taking a genuine interest in them. I hope so. I, I <laughs> um, if if they if they don't want me to know what they're doing, they they don't have to get in touch, of course. But, <laughs> and some won't. Um, some some may have um, different views of, the, of these things, but um, it, it is a, it is a, it is still a very personal school, and I think this is where the old old blues association and uh, the development office have really gone to town on trying to develop further links with our alumni, as they call them now, and that, that's that's very good, I think. And if anyone listening to this wanted to get in touch regarding the Old Blues Association, I mean, is that something that's open to everybody who used to be at the school? Uh, all past pupils, that's right. I, I, I even think uh, a few members of staff uh, sign up to the, the association uh, as well. They can do, I understand. Excellent. OK, well, we'll put a link to that in the show notes so that people can find out more about that. But... 
Peter, in the meantime, we need to bring this to a close. Right. But I've really enjoyed hearing all about the history of the school at Reading Bluecoat. And so congratulations, of course, on being our first guest on this podcast channel. Thank you so much. And thank you very much for interviewing me and for your time. Thank you. And there we go. A big thank you to Peter for joining our first episode of the Reading Blues podcast. And don't forget, you can contact the school if you have any questions or simply for more information. And for the OBA, you might find it easiest to simply Google RBCS Old Blues Association and it'll take you straight to that section on the school's website. I know that because I just tried it myself. So this has been episode one, but in episode two, we're stepping into the world of drama and I know you won't want to miss that. So to ensure that you don't, then now is the right time to follow and subscribe to this podcast channel. It means that when the next episode is released, you'll receive a small notification to let you know that it's available, which means that you'll be able to listen to it while you're in the car or on a walk somewhere. So that's in the next episode. But for this episode, once again, thank you to Peter. I know he'll be listening. Possibly this is the first podcast he's ever listened to, but we'll look forward to seeing you all in the next episode. Bye for now.